Good tidings, my possum friends. Welcome to another episode of Offensive Points brought to you by IDP+. And just a quick reminder, we live it so you guys can win it. Josh, Billy, and I welcome a very special guest to the show today. Andy Barron's in the house today to help us with our year in review of the 2023 fantasy football season. Not that he needs an introduction, but Andy is a writer and analyst at Yahoo, a host over at Fantasy Football Live, the president of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association since 2014, one of the most accurate analysts in both the NFL and the MLB, and just all around a good guy. So, Andy, thank you for joining us today. How is the Chicago weather treating you? Uh, thank you for having me. I forgot that uh, you might bring me in with a terrifying possum image. Um, that was that was jarring. Um, it's cold today. Like we somehow in Chicago, we we skipped that nice little transition between like 50 degrees and 20 degrees. And it just it just hit. I don't know. It hit Arctic conditions out of nowhere today. So it's not that pleasant, really. I'm going up there this weekend, so should be fun. I think we're I think we're going to try to get things cleaned up by this weekend. I think it'll be I think I think it'll be a more normal temperature, but uh it bottomed out today. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, that that wind off that uh lake is never great by the way. So I'm sure it's nice and chilly there. So um I do have one question before we get started. Who and you don't and Andy you can say no, you don't you don't have to give this information out if you don't want to, but whose face is going to be on your shirt at the next Fantasy Football Expo? Oh come on! That's that is privileged information. Although right. I have I have the image already saved. It'll uh, uh, you, it is be, ten months be, early, so could you'll be pleased to know that I've already um, I, I've got some I've got some early sketches. I've got some early I've got some early ideas on the on the shirt. I know the image that I want to use. It's a little bit complicated, um, but um, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, the fact that you're already ready for that is great. But I can't, I can't like reveal the name this early. That's, you know, not in keeping with tradition. I personally thought do you, you have, do you have like it. multiple candidates. Maybe do you have like four or five people or are you just La last year, name? last year, last year I was packing multiple shirts. I had a, I had a Pat Darty and I had a, I had a Brad Evans. Um, I think I'm going all in on, on, on one analyst this year. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to see that. Okay, well, what we're doing today, we figured, you know, every show is going to do a silly end of the year recap. So we just decided to do it the biggest way we knew possible. And that's bringing in a guest and Andy Barons to kind of help us decide between our guesses for three questions that we have to recap the season. So those three questions are the biggest or the, the most valuable player of fantasy, uh, the biggest bust and the biggest surprise. So we will start with the fantasy MVP. I think we're all just going to kind of give who we think it's going to be. So, Josh, if you want to kick us off there and give that the player that you think is the fantasy MVP for this season. Yeah, I'll say who I think, and then we'll all go through, and then Andy will tell us who actually is the MVP. <laughs> so we'll see who is actually right here. But yes. um, I, I have – I have to go with Tyree Kill. Uh, the man's put up double-digit points in every single game this year, and honestly, I was looking as if he was going to break the single-season receiving yard record. Uh, technically, he still could, but it's a little bit less likely at this point after his uh, ankle injury kept him sideline week 15. So, uh, but, but honestly, re regardless of this, his current pace, is the, he's on pace to have the best fantasy year he's ever had, uh, and hopefully he can return uh, week 16 for those and win some championships. Who He more than likely got these people to the championship, so... He's clearly my fantasy MVP, and I personally think he should be considered as really in the NFL accolades as well. But I don't, they don't really do that as much, unfortunately. 
Yeah, he got us right to the door, right to the door on the playoffs, and then pulled a Houdini X. So, well, yeah. shout out, shout out to Tyreek though for like if you're gonna if you're gonna miss one game in a season, make it make it like the bye week in the fantasy playoffs, right? So like a lot of us who have Tyreek, we we're not really burned. Like this is how the bye is supposed to work. So yeah. this actually happened to me, I think five years ago now. Todd Gurley did the exact same thing. He missed week fifteen of the playoffs. I was in my first round matchup. I was the three seed. And I'll never forget it. I, I will never forget it. If I ever meet Todd Gurley, I will tell him the story of what happened that that week. But yeah, Tyreek did the same thing. Yeah, I was I, all on Tyreek. That was my him. bold take at the beginning of the year. It was the two thousand receiving yards? He's gonna get it. I was on him all, and then he he just did did me wrong in the the first round of our playoffs. First round, I haven't had a buy in that league, by the way. So. <laughs> I actually had Tyreek in a, in a Yahoo league where I was planning on drafting Nick Chubb at six because that's where he was because Andy wouldn't let him. Um, and someone grabbed <laughs> Chubb at five and someone grabbed Garrett Wilson at three and somehow he'll slip, slip to six. And I was like, well, yeah, that works for me. So, I mean, he's actually been a really helpful thing for me. And honestly, I already had my Nick Chubb share. So uh, glad that didn't happen. because I don't know if I'd be in the playoffs at this point. Man, Nick Chubb was going to be one of the right answers, and he was going to be a candidate for this conversation today. Um, that's shout out to Nick Chubb. So great. All right, Joe, go ahead. All right. So Christian McCaffrey is my MVP nomination. He is your number one fantasy scorer in 2023, leading the number two running back score by almost 100 points. He helped managers out in week 15 with a 42 point performance in the playoffs. He also leads all rushing by almost 300 yards and leads all other running backs in receiving tied with Raheem Moser with 20 total touchdowns. I mean, his 57 receptions give him a major boost in a PPR environment. McCaffrey is the only running back taken in the top 20 that has over 200 points in a PPR and FYI, he has 353 on this season. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue against a literal like top 10 receiver and top 10 running back. I mean, Hard to argue against that. Yeah, especially there not a lot of those running backs actually panned out in the first round. So CMC and that 40-point performance in the playoffs is really – I'd give him almost like fantasy MVP just for that, especially if he goes back-to-back and hits another 40 in the you know second round of the playoffs. It is, it is actually the problem with having this conversation as we enter week 16, right? Like your, your actual fantasy MVP is going to have to like write that story in the most important weeks of the season. So like we're, we're, we're kind of talking about the most valuable person who got us to this point. Right. But like somebody's going to throw down five touchdowns over the next two weeks and we're not even going to remember, you know, what got us. <laughs> oh, there. oh, don't wait, wait till just wait till we get to the bus uh, situation, because that's exactly what happened to me. Literally the person I picked <laughs> the bus ended up having one of the MVP uh, performances of the season, unfortunately for me, but I'm going to still make a case. Um, all right. My uh, selection for MVP is actually going to be C.D. Lamb from Dallas Cowboys. He's the number two wide receiver on the season. Um, I would argue that most people probably got him in the second round because of a weird fade that was going on prior to uh, the drafts in August. Um, He has not seen under nine targets since the bye week, and he has only put in 30-point performances, 25-point performances, just going in and out. Week 15, he puts up 15 points, which although that's not going to probably win you a week, it's definitely not going to lose you a week. So I think he's been a solid player this entire season, and it's good to see that the Cowboys are finally treating him as the Devontae Adams-esque player that he could have been all along. It is a beautiful thing. Dak finally trusts him, and that's what we've been waiting for. 
Jerry Jones will actually throw, let him be thrown to or to. I don't know. Who, I don't know who's actually in charge of the Cowboys organization. <laughs> it is actually the best thing that they've done is just center their best player in the <laughs> in the offense, right? Like it's not, it shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't have taken them that long to get here, but um, he, he is their best and most versatile offensive weapon. And they are finally putting him like front and center in that offense. And it is, it is really good to see. You're, you're all wrong, by the way. Um, like you came up with the list that is like, these are the sort of honorable mentions who also get invited to the Heisman ceremony. But, but <laughs> okay, I love that. <laughs> Who's well, your MVP clear, yeah, for us? It's not, we're not talking about my MVP. We're talking about the MVP. We're talking about the okay, correct the answer MVP. to this question. Um, it's Raheem Mostert. I'm afraid. Uh, so we we have this we have this little gimmick at Yahoo, and this I'm not I'm not basing the entire argument on this, but a lot of it is on this. We have this little gimmick at Yahoo. It's in the research tools in your league. You go there, and it, it just says MVPs, right? Like we keep track of the players that appear on the highest percentage of rosters among the top 500 public league teams. Um, Raheem Mostert is on 58% of those teams, uh, and it's been. Like all year, it's been like 60 plus percent, or at least for like the last month or so. It is uh, relative to draft position. We This is not something we see every year, right? This is a guy taken outside on almost, I don't know, I was kicking around like I was looking at ADPs on other platforms today too. No, like nobody nailed him, right? Like he was, he, he went outside the top 120 everywhere um literally everywhere in the in the run-up to uh to draft seasons um so the important thing here is that like everybody had a shot at him right like if you're if you're in a if you're in a draft instead of an auction there were like three people in your league who had a shot at christian mccaffrey and there were like five people six people who had a shot at tyree kill like not you know it's unfair but not everybody had a shot at him everybody passed on raheem mostert like 10 times um and so Mostert is this guy like you can't have unless you unless you pulled off a swindle of a trade, you you can't pair Tyree Kill with Christian McCaffrey. But like the actual best fantasy teams out there, the the teams that are like going to win these large contests, the teams that whoever is going to win fishbowl, stuff like that. Um, they paired Raheem Mostert with either McCaffrey or, or Tyree Kill. And that is the that is the definitive right answer in fantasy in 2023, at least to at least to this point. It, wild season too, right? Like he's not he's not missing any games. He just gets like we have the same argument every week about oh man, should I go should I go HN? Should I go Raheem Mostert? Well, all all Raheem Mostert does is score two touchdowns every week. That's all he does. An almost perfect it, season. Um not that not the same receiving volume, obviously, of McCaffrey. And he's not he's not that level of player, but the the week in and week out consistency from this guy uh, when it was totally unexpected is just it's it's wild to me. It's a it's a rare season. Well, they kind of threw us off the scent going after, quote unquote, Dalvin Cook. So that's why yep. we all, I think everyone in the fantasy community was kind of like, well, they can't be that high on him, right? Because they're after, you know, Dalvin Cook and free agency. They brought in a, a Chan um, in the draft. So like, there, there's no way, right? And I mean, we were all wrong, clearly. Yeah, he's like the, you go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, we all passed on him 10 times easily. We were like, mm, no, don't want him. No 31 i mean like yeah he just checks all the boxes for like why why would this happen right yeah yeah no it's pretty it's pretty crazy but he's he's really been the the sort of skeleton key that is gonna you know that is gonna unlock like big big time winnings for a lot of people right like it, there's i can't imagine there's any other way to win one of these like giant sprawling contests than to have paired raheem mostert with like either mccaffrey yeah. or tyreek or you know some combination 
I have zero sure. shares of Mostert, so I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> last year he burned me because as soon as Jeff Wilson came back last year, it was just, you know, Mostert maybe got you six, seven points. You know, he might score a touchdown. So this year I was completely off of him, and that was completely wrong. Totally healthy all year. Wild, right? Um, more more than half of his career touchdowns have been scored this season for like, for like a 31-year-old player. It's just crazy. Yeah. Wild. For whatever reason. True. All right, let's get on to question two, and that is who is the biggest fantasy bust? I will go first because my case is going to be a lot harder to make now. Um, and my pick was T. Higgins. So prior mm. to this week, um, if you had T. Higgins on your team, the thing is, though, you're probably out of the playoffs if you had T. Higgins. So that probably was all for not. You probably went in your toilet bowl league or whatever the that trophy is for. But prior to that, T. Higgins really didn't do much for your fantasy team. And when Joe Burrow went down, it just got that much worse. So my argument was that you took him high. You probably took him in the third round, I would guess. Some people probably reached even higher if they really believed in the Bengals. And you got burnt. And I, I think that for that reason, he is my biggest bust just because you had really high expectations and they didn't really come through. Yeah, it was really we had a great week two. Yeah. Week two and week 15. That's what you paid for. Yep. He also like this is this is uh, this is a problem that I don't happen to have. But like I avoided T Higgins mostly for the wrong reasons. Right. I just I just thought he was like he was at the top of a big tier. And so he would go, as you say, he would go like in the third round. And I generally liked the receivers that I could get around later, around and a half later, just as much as T Higgins, because he's actually kind of like prior to this year, he's had the same season over and over. Like, I don't like I don't know. Like people think that there's like this secret upside to T Higgins, which I think next to Jamar Chase, there's really not right. Like we know what he's going to be. Um, and then you you layer the injuries in there this year, and then the problems with Burrow, um, and there was there was never any hope. So yeah, I mean you're right. Like he's he's going off in consolation brackets. He'll probably have another big week against Pittsburgh too. But like who's who's it helping? Exactly. Yeah, you're not wrong. The the thousand yard seasons are great, but that's not exactly what you're looking for when you're looking for a you know wide receiver one, wide receiver mm -hmm. two in that range. So. Um, just going right into mine. Um, I don't personally think there's a bigger bust than Austin Eckler. Um, I know he missed a few games early in this year, but after he came back, he just didn't have that same spark and he just looked slow around the corner, around the edges. He just didn't look good. Uh, drafted primarily mid first round. Um, it's, he's just one of those guys that isn't Christian McCaffrey and didn't get the, you know, return on investment for a first round pick. Um, actually did have more 20 point performances than I kind of really originally had thought after looking back on it, but I don't know. After going running back two, running back one the last two years, and now currently like RB twenty five, uh, it's just not what anyone had hoped for here, especially for a first round pick. And and now he's currently splitting carries with Josh Kelly, and they're finally getting Isaiah Spiller involved, which is super weird timing. So uh, unfortunately, the whole Chargers organization could probably be used as a bust, other than Keenan Allen. Yeah. Um, but it's been sad just all around. I feel bad for Chargers fans out there. Getting Staley out of there has to be. Awesome news for everybody. There's too much talent on this team for them to perform like this. So hopefully next year is the season we get them. I, I feel like we're going to, you know, I, this is, this is probably pretty well known, but like, I feel like as soon as the season ends, we're going to, we're going to get a report about Austin Eckler, like getting a cleanup surgery. We're going to get 100%. a report about like, I mean, 
this is not this is not him right and we've seen him um since coming back from the high ankle sprain like limping on the sidelines we've seen him limping off the field like he's clearly not 100 percent um he you know he he gets breakaways and like the next gen numbers are like i don't know they're like punter numbers right they're not they're just not great um he even in the even in the big game he had against uh, uh denver he had 100 total yards a couple weeks ago uh, wasn't credited with a, with a missed tackle, right? He's just not making people miss, um, not doing a lot after contact. And I, I just, I really think this is a case where I, I like to give guys a lot of credit for playing through injury, but then when they do it, um, fantasy managers get really mad because they're not, you know, I always, I always think back to the season that Antonio Gibson had a couple of years ago where he literally played through like a hairline fracture in his leg. You know, he's playing with a broken leg playing with broken leg and fantasy managers were so mad um, because he, because he wasn't delivering at the, at the prior year's rate. And like, man, um, this, this stuff's hard. (laughs) And uh, you know, if you're, if you're in any kind of compromised state, you know, the, the NFL is a tough place to make a living. Yeah. He has to eventually through injury. I just feel like the chargers are just going to like, just completely just destroy all of their contracts. I mean, I think Derwin's out of there. I think Khalil Mack's out of there. I think Austin Mm -hmm. Eckler's out of there. And they're just going to completely clean house. So I'm hoping for dynasty people that he can go to a situation where he can end his career with a better situation than what's going on in LA. Yeah. Be awesome. All right. I guess I'll throw my biggest bust in there. I have Patrick Mahomes is my biggest bust this year uh, because he had an ADP between 14 and 17, depending on your platform. Yahoo intelligently had him ranked at 28, but we all know, he always gets picked earlier than that. I have long already argued. The industry has long argued. You don't take a quarterback early. Um, but if you happen to pull the trigger on Mahomes, you've been rewarded with a guy that has finished as a top five twice in the top 10 five times this year. He is currently QB six on the season. But when 50% of the top 10 guys were drafted after the eighth round, it just kills this pick. In 2023, most of these second round guys were historically bad. But you could have had A.J. Brown. You could have had Amon Ra. Both guys, we had ranked higher than Mahomes, but you would have had much rather had them on your team. It's not entirely his fault, but at that price, he's a bust for me. I I will say this isn't this isn't the guy that I had in mind, but I love this call. Um, and we've talked about we've talked about this a couple times on the on the Yahoo podcast. Like the, you know, and I I understand why people, um, especially over the last five years or so tend to go quarterback earlier than we used to, right? Like it used to be just, um, you know, uh, dogma in fantasy that, um, sharp players were going to take a quarterback late, right? Like that's just what you did because there was never for years, like for decades in this game, there was never enough separation between the top quarterback and like the 12th best quarterback to justify taking somebody in the third round. And like, occasionally you'd get a Brady year, you'd get a Manning year, but it wasn't, you know, that wasn't anything that you could ever bank on. And then like, you know, Mahomes gives us 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. And Lamar has like the greatest per game scoring season of all time. And we get the year that Hertz had last year and some of these Josh Allen seasons. And so all of a sudden, like, there were actual golden ticket players at quarterback, which has never been the case in fantasy up until like recent years. And I feel like everybody decided, okay, I got to take a shot with one of those guys in the second round. And you know, when they're not difference makers and you're taking a quarterback in the second round and replacement value is so high at that spot. Um, it's a, it's a bad pick. It is a, you know, even though, even though Mahomes himself, um, obviously still great and still one of the best real life quarterbacks, it is a, it is a total bus pick. 
Well, we also live in Missouri too. So we're in a lot of drafts with people who are St. Louis and Chiefs fans and just in from the Midwest. So you, we've seen Mahomes go like really ridiculously early too. And he, are, you know, he kind of already does, like as Joe said, alluded mm-hmm. to it. It's always like, you know, mid second round. And you're like, why? Like, why are we doing this? And then that's usually when everyone else starts biting on quarterbacks. And they're just like, nah, I'll just wait. I'll figure it out. Yeah. A quarterback has to have a historic season if you're going to take them that high. Like there's no like any anything less than, you know, 5,200 yards and 48 touchdowns. He was going to bust. Yeah. Yeah. Like Especially when you could you could get Brock Purdy for free. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I have you could Jalen Jalen Hurts, the Mike Tolbert of my life right now. Um, <laughs> you could have gotten him later even. So it's, <laughs> yeah, like, no, I have AJ, people AJ still asking me. Um, should I start Brock Purdy? And I'm like, what do you mean? Should you? Like, yeah, you should have been doing it for a while now. Should should not be on your bench. You shouldn't be deciding yeah. between him and Matt Stafford. Like, no, no. Take the one that's been consistent. All right. So who's the real answer, Andy? Is this, yeah, is this exactly. backed up by some Yahoo analytics? Again? I just I want to say again that that Joe uh uh made a convincing argument, I think, for uh Patrick Oof. Mahomes. More more convincing than I was than I was prepared for, even. Um, but the name the name that I brought, um, and I feel like people may have forgotten it. Norm- normally I don't like to like I don't like to use a, a player who suffered an injury as like a bust candidate, right? Um, but this guy busted so much earlier than his actual injury that I, I feel like he's an exception here. Um, Cam Akers was a monumental bust. He was taken. Um, he was taken in the fifth round guys. He lost his job before week one. We didn't know it. We didn't know it, but he'd already lost his job. Like he, um, we, we took him in the fifth round and um, Kyron Williams was the RB one to open the season. Um, Cam Akers finished week one with some, what was it? it was like 22 carries for 29 yards, something like that. He was, he was immediately terrible. Didn't really play in. Yeah. Didn't really play in that game until it was decided. And then he was a healthy scratch in week two. Um, he was a healthy scratch in week two. He was your fifth round pick. Um, and then we didn't see him again until he was traded. Like we saw him again in October. <laughs> and at that point he surfaces with Minnesota. He's got like a cameo role. You can't start him. Um, you can't even really make a case to roster him. He's super inefficient and obviously, unfortunately, blows out the other Achilles. Um, you know, That's so terrible right. situation for him. But long before the injury, he he had busted. It's a really no. good point. Billy, do you want to comment on that one? I was hoping for the best, but <laughs> big prepared, came not, not prepared for the worst that, that ended <laughs> up happening. He wasn't I don't, my first my RB one though on my team at least. Thank God. I don't. I don't remember a lot of situations like this where like a guy had literally lost his job before opening week and we, didn't, we weren't even really alerted to it. Well, right. especially was, after they didn't trade him last season when they could yeah. have, or this off season they could have given him away for something and they chose not to. It was kind of weird because you figured they would at least start him so that he could gain value to where they could trade him for a higher pick, but. They didn't really do that either. So I don't know. It was a bizarre situation with the Rams. Yeah. It was kind of the Rams as a whole, though. I mean, you had Stafford's injury going in. You know, we heard some rumblings about Puka. I know talking to rookies and stuff, we were pretty high on Puka. But you really did. We had no idea what this Rams offense was really going to look like. And then Cup had his hamstring. And we're like, okay, what's going to happen here? So they were very silent all year. Yeah, the Rams have actually been a huge surprise this year. They look really good for what they're dealing with. Um, I know Stafford's had his shaky days, and Kyron's been amazing. Uh, but honestly, it feels like it's been like a decade since I've heard Cam Akers' name. Like, I it, it doesn't. The season's <laughs> been too long. I guess I didn't even think about Cam Akers, 
And it's not even because of the injury. I just honestly forgot he played this year because that's how, how forgettable it was. <laughs> so, Andy, you're did. absolutely right. <laughs> not wrong. Yes, that was a great pick, Eddie. For sure. Okay. On to the last question, and that is, of course, the biggest surprise of the fantasy season. Um, Joe, get us started. Yeah, this one <clears throat> segues nicely because, like we talked about Cam Akers here, I'm going to talk about Kyron Williams. He is my biggest surprise of the year. I drafted him at pick 308 in the Kings Classic Buckus division, and that's an IDP league, but still his ADP was 276 and running back 72. He is currently RB8 even after missing four games. He is RB2 in points per game at 20.8, scoring over 21 points in 60% of his games. As Andy pointed out, Cam Akers was in active week two and cut in week three, so Kyron is a wavered darling that is continuing to pay off. He missed The missed games kind of hamper what could have been just a legendary season, but it's still pretty epic. No, it's not a been, bad call. He's been phenomenal. I, I completely agree, and, I mean, it really did segue so perfectly. <laughs> Yeah, I just like I, even when he came out of Notre Dame, I still never envisioned him being this. I just didn't. He was not a particularly fast runner. Um, I knew he could do some pass catching, but not you know necessarily at this level. Yeah, he's been a complete surprise since he got into the league. So I'm I'm shocked that Sean McVay's been able to turn him into what he he's been. Well, Billy, this is exactly what you thought uh, Acres was going to be. No offense, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here, but I mean, this is what you thought was going to happen with this team because there was no, well, we didn't know what was going to happen with Stafford. We didn't know if Cup was going to be healthy. So it did seem like this was going to be what Acres would be. And this is what a lot of people thought. And that's why they drafted him, you know, in the third, fourth round. And then to get Kyron for free, basically, um, whether it was last pick of the draft or, you know, at the end there, you pick him up out of free agency. I'm pretty sure I got him out of free agency in the league at some point. For sure. Probably did. Um, okay, well, I'll go with mine since I have a Ram as well, and I went with Puka Nakua, uh, rookie wide receiver. Uh, week two, he had 20 targets in a game. I understand Cup wasn't there, but we did not know that this was going to happen, that he was going to find that kind of uh, rhythm with Stafford that fast. Um, he's not been under seven targets the entire season. He has had some kind of like low output games, but at the same time, he's been very consistent. He's a top 10 wide receiver um, thus far. I, I can't see – nobody saw this guy coming. I got him out of waivers right before the first game because I was just trying to hope maybe I could find Cooper's backup, thinking maybe he would get five targets for 40 yards or something. But he completely has blown up the season. And, yeah, this this Rams team might be a playoff team because of Puka Nakua over in Kyron Williams and Cooper Cup. It's kind of wild to watch. Yeah, going into – going from one – uh, star to three has been amazing for the Rams. Uh, well, I guess I'll just go ahead and finish us up here. And, uh, you know, I actually have to thank Andy Barons for the unintentional recommendation here. Uh, Sam Laporta <laughs> is my biggest surprise. Um, I watched you draft him in the Kings classic. And I was like, you got him in like the 13th round or something like that. And I was like, you're, was it a 14 man league? That's, so that's incredible discipline for me. Cause I was usually reaching much earlier for Sam. Like I was, I was sure that this Sam Laporta thing was going to happen. So I was, I was often reaching much earlier than I wasn't, but I will refuse to draft a tight end before I have filled up like four running yeah. backs, four wide receivers, a quarterback, maybe even a backup quarterback sometimes. Uh, but I got Laporta in free agency in half of my leagues uh, or, and, or like the last two picks, like nobody was on him. I had a friend text me the other day who said, I swear that your mom and Sam Laporta's mom must have been friends because how the hell do you even know about this guy? And I was like, 
I mean, you're not wrong. I really, I've, I've always accredited it to you. I was like, I saw you draft him like pretty early for a, you know, rookie tight end. Uh, but honestly, like right now, keeping up pace for pace with Kelsey. Um, I mean, he is, I mean, the tight end one in some leagues, but I mean, really the, all three of them uh, are at, right there with Kelsey and Laporta and uh, the other guy, uh, Hawkinson. Hawkinson. They're all just Hawkinson. kind of, another yeah, Iowa guy. They're yeah. all three just right there. Oh yeah. Didn't they, they didn't quite overlap either. So uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, they, it was just one right up. after the other, like Kittle into yeah. Fant and Hawkinson into Laporta. Yeah. Well, to me, like they got rid of, La- they, or they got rid of Hawkinson, the Lions did, and then they go get Laporta. I didn't think it would be, you know, an immediate thing. And I mean, this is literally what everyone wanted Kyle Pitts to be, to come in and yeah. just break out right away as a rookie tight end. Nobody really, rookie tight ends don't usually have great years. Dolchich had a little, you know, pop 500, 600 yard season his rookie year. We've seen a couple of tight ends come in. Um, I mean, I guess Kincaid's having a pretty nice year as well, uh, but that was, you know, kind of after the Knox injury. So, um, and then Trey McBride's kind of breaking out in his sophomore year. So, um, man, tight end scape has gotten a lot better over the years or just this one yes. year. It, it's so funny by the dynasty tactic, just take the Iowa tight end every year. Yep. Especially if he ends up on the Lions. You know, I, I will say, um, I so I, I went to Iowa. You probably see some Iowa stuff behind me on the, ah, on the show. There it is. Um, and I have, uh, uh, I, I remember a handful of years ago, like Super Bowl week, um, I had the opportunity to like interview George Kittle, who was doing some work for, I think, Gatorade at the time, something like that. And I did, I didn't like the Yahoo people obviously wanted me to talk Niners and they wanted me to talk Super Bowl and all that. And George and I just talked Iowa football for like 10 minutes and the producers were like, I don't know if I can use any of that, but um, it was super <laughs> informative, right? Like it's a, um, the, the thing that people need to realize about this is that like, it's not like Kittle was underutilized at Iowa. He came to the school as a 180 pound receiver who had no offers. Um, and they, and they, they built him right. Like they, that, that was a, just a miracle of like strength and conditioning and coaching and finding the right role for him. So it is a really, really good developmental program. They don't get, you know, they just don't get like four and five star kids, right? They get these like two and three star guys and they have some position groups that are, amazing and like marv cook stays in town and you know they just have like a a sort of wealth of institutional knowledge and they're able to build some really good tight ends i i thought that sam laporta was stepping into i i get why people weren't on him like i'm the idiot who watches an iowa game every weekend so like i was i was acutely aware of what sam laporta was doing in a terrible offense right like everything was after the catch everything everything he did he he earned himself right like that wasn't a product of the offense um and then he was stepping into a situation with the lions where like there were you know the the tight end position the year before had scored 12 touchdowns and none of those guys were gonna were gonna have those roles anymore there was it was all pretty clearly gonna be laporta so he was just in a great situation but it by the time we got to like king's classic and the expo it was like a bit for me. Like every time anybody asked me for a bold prediction, I would give them Sam Laporta as a top three tight end. Anytime anybody wanted a breakout, I would give them Sam Laporta. So that, um, you know, it, it became like, I, you know, I, I would start to talk about him on a panel at the expo and the other people around me would start rolling their eyes. Cause they'd heard me give the spiel before. So yeah. I, it would have been bad for me if he had not hit, um, it would have been really ugly, really early. Honestly, now it all makes sense. Didn't know you were an Iowa guy. That makes a whole lot more sense. Cause I saw you draft him from what I saw way too early. I got him super late and I love it. Happy to have him, But at the same time, who cares when you draft him as long as he's on your team. Um, I, this is, this is the category, by the way, where I feel like you guys, you guys really nailed all the stuff here, because I think, 
I think Laporta is the right answer for much of the fantasy audience. I think they're I think they're all pretty surprised that um, he became you know the. I don't know, he might finish the season as the tight end one and he'll probably yeah. go into next year as the, I don't know if he's not the first tight end drafted, he's going to be like the second tight end drafted. Um, but the, the, um, what I had as the biggest, uh, surprise of the year was I put, I put Puka at the top of the list, but I also would have accepted the Rams generally. Um, oh, yeah, and as, sure. as you guys were talking, um, I, I honestly, I think that, I think there was a collective failure to just listen to what, the Rams were saying, right? Because they've, yeah. Yeah. they've always liked Kyron Williams and Kyron Williams was going to have a huge role last year. Um, he just got hurt. He got hurt like on the first special team snap of the season, right? He got hurt really early in the year. Um, and it, and it just didn't happen for him, but they've always said nice things about him. They said nice things about Puka constantly during the summer. And it just didn't, you know, it just it just didn't land with enough people. Now, to Puka's credit, and the, the reason that I think he's probably the biggest surprise of the season is like he's on pace right now to finish with as many yards in his first professional season as he had in any two years combined in college, right? Like this is just not a thing yeah. that we see. Like he was he was really efficient in college. Like all the people who like do a lot of work with like yards per route run and whatnot, like they'll they were t- they were telling you, hey, don't sleep on Puka. Um, but, but nobody had this, you know, no, nobody had him as a, as a high volume every week receiver. And then the other thing that the Rams were telling us that I feel like not enough of us, I, I honestly, nobody was listening to was, um, that Stafford felt pretty good and looked pretty good. Um, and Stafford had a pretty normal summer and we were all like, even though he was having a pretty normal summer and the beat writers were telling us, yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, we were we were still all reacting as if as if his throwing arm was going to fall off at any given moment, right? And we had to avoid all these guys, and we definitely had to avoid him. And man, week one, that was like that was young Stafford. That was um, he has made some throws this year that are only available to like eight or ten quarterbacks in the league right now. You know, he is he has made some, like what whatever else we think about him at this stage of his career, he's still got an absolute cannon. Um, and and he looks, you know, every week there's a there's a throw to to, to Puka that just, I don't know, there's only so many guys that can make them and he can, and he can still do it. Um, he's just throwing darts. He's been good all year. He's got like four multi-touchdown games, um, strung together at this point. Like he's been, it, it shouldn't, he's Matthew Stafford. It shouldn't be a revelation. He's been in the league forever. And yet, like, I feel like he took everybody by surprise as well. I think, I feel like that's every year with Matthew Stafford though, (laughs) even back in his Lions (laughs) days with Calvin Johnson, he was every, it was like, I guess I'll take Matthew Stafford. He was never, you know, high up on people. He won the Super Bowl. I I mean, I don't think a lot of people saw that one coming. We liked the move for him, but, and you know, now we're right back to it. We were worried about his neck. You know, is he going to play football again, his arm? And here he is just doing what he always does. I always love how they always write off the veteran quarterbacks every year. I mean, I'm wondering what Mm -hmm. it looks like in five years when Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, maybe Mahomes gets a little bit, but even when Brady was still going for the last five years, everyone was like, well, he's not going to do it anymore. He's not going to do it anymore. And Uh, you know what? Kirk Kirk Cousins was going to be one of the right answers this year before his injury too, right? Like he was a, he was an easy, like top five, top six quarterback. He was doing it every week. Yeah, I, I've had Stafford as my second-string quarterback for the last seven years. I'm pretty sure in every every league, <laughs> I have enough room for another quarterback because he's always a top ten quarterback. I mean, it's just it's wild to me that like we write off the veterans and we go with the young guys and people draft yeah. Anthony Richardson as the sixth quarterback off the board or whatever. And I'm like, what are you doing? 
Calm down. It's 2023 and Flacco is elite yet again. So <laughs> that that should be the biggest sign of the apocalypse of the year. But, <laughs> yep. Okay. That's all we got for the three questions we have. Um, got fellows, do you have anything last minute that you want to pitch at Andy Barron's while we have him? You got me off the spot. Let me pull out my Okay, well, I've here. got one, so I, I got one. And it's stupid, so I know he might not agree with it, but I, I, I want to pitch it anyway. So this this Christian McCaffrey, if you've heard of him, um, what if we split him in half? So we had his receiving be draftable and his rushing be draftable. You don't get both. You get one or the other. You get two separate players. Would that kind of even out Christian McCaffrey as like a cheat code? So you want to you want to give him the you want to give him the Otani treatment you want to exactly uh, exactly yeah. that's exactly it yeah I don't I don't hate it we could have you know we we used to talk about um, when when Lamar Jackson was having his MVP season like I I don't know I used to I used to sort of express um, you, you know admiration for him as two separate players right we were talking all year about like okay if he were just a running back and he never caught a pass he'd be he'd be like the RB nine right now oh and by the way. Right. Uh, he's going to have 30 touchdown passes, you know, like it's an absolutely <laughs> totally unfair season. Um, so I don't, I don't hate it. It's an interesting, uh, it, it would be a, a weird sort of gimmicky uh, fantasy style. The problem but is I, as soon as he gets hurt, that takes two people out. That, that's the issue is if he gets hurt at any point, that just completely nails two teams. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's unfair to have both really. It, like it kind of is this this year it is but that you know that's like but fantasy football is so um i'm i'm thinking about this now because i'm starting to you know i do i create a lot of uh baseball stuff too we do a lot of baseball content and i just went through my baseball ranks like fa fantasy football like success in fantasy football is just always tied to like one of three players every year right and you you know the i don't know what the percentage is just yet but um the the you know teams that had Christian McCaffrey are going to have made the playoffs at like a 90 or 95 percent rate it's going to be the same for Tyreek it's going to be the same for Mostert like there's always like three or four just absolute dead-on right answers in fantasy uh football and they and they drag you to the playoffs um and baseball just doesn't play that way at all like baseball is like there's a million different ways to get there there's I was talking earlier about the fantasy MVPs that we have at Yahoo and like Mostert is like 58 percent of those teams and McCaffrey is 50 some percent of those teams um nobody in baseball ever has a percentage like that they're you know the guy at the top is like in the 20s maybe 30 um so it's, it's a it's a very different game so since you're talking about baseball i do have a question um let's let's go to otani and talk about that contract um how number one are the dodgers going to be able to pay that at some point um and number two he took what two mil a year and then at the end he's a 68 680 million 680 <laughs> yeah. million 680 yeah is it gonna be like the guy from the mets who still gets a million dollar paycheck even though he's like 60. Benia, yeah it's Benia. gonna be like that except um amplified um to a ludicrous extent right and and who knows like that i don't know ownership might change right like somebody else might get stuck with the bill for all this i i imagine that's that's uh part of the team's uh idea it's it's kind of a i mean he's He's unfair because he's the rare baseball player that um, generates so much revenue for your team that it it is literally a contract that pays for itself without um, without really having to think about how much success you're going to have. Like, it, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people have estimated that it probably pays for itself in like five years because um, there's nobody there's nobody that generates um, jersey sales, advertiser interest. Um, you like 
while he was playing with the angels and you know, nobody's necessarily watching. It's not like they're, it's not like all of America is captivated by angels baseball over the last, you know, five years, but all of those games are broadcast in Japan. And that's just not, that's not happening for any other baseball team in, in MLB. Um, so you get, you know, and you'd see all, like all the in-stadium advertising in Anaheim was, was, you know, geared toward Japanese audiences. I mean, it's, it just brings in revenue streams that are not available with any other player. So it literally, you know, they don't, that, that contract is probably the least of their worries. Fair enough. I just, I saw it and I was like, when and who is going to pay for that? <laughs> I didn't even think about the international. We're gonna have Otani Day. Like that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be Otani Day, not Bonilla Day anymore. Yeah, the international impact of something like that's crazy. Because I was at the U.S. Open when it was at Aaron Hills, and I remember Hideki Matsuyama came walking over the hill, and there were probably two hundred cameramen, guys with these big cameras, and they were running and laying down. And I asked about it, and the guy next to me was like, "Oh, that's the Japanese media." And I was like, "Wow, that's you know," because when we watch it, we see Hideki quite a bit he's a really good player but you know never not used to seeing someone outside of tiger or brooks having that sort of media following so that was yeah i was uh i i was covering the white Sox a little bit years ago um i remember in the season that ichiro was was chasing the single season hits record um and i i went to most of the games in that in the in a mariner series at Sox park and uh the foreign media that was in attendance it was just it was simply overwhelming like Sox park was usually a pretty sleepy place to go easy easy um you know easy credential to get and it was wild uh because Ichiro was very clearly going after the record and was going to get it and he was you know freakishly skilled and all that and uh it, it was it was just amazing it was standing room only in uh in the in the press box which you just don't see very often now my only thought was um this has been very refreshing after the week 15 that i had which i think is arguably the worst <laughs> The worst week of fantasy football historically, um, I would argue. So this has been nice. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I, I had a long <laughs> rant prepared, but you guys <laughs> yeah, he he uh, he lost a couple big games uh, yesterday uh, due to AJ Brown not doing anything. So I apologize. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna ask if this was Arthur Smith related or if oh this it was, was also AJ Arthur Smith related. Arthur Smith too. Yeah. Bijan and uh, AJ Brown would have got twelve more points combined. So if B- if Bijan would have got twelve points, uh, Joe would have been fine. <sighs> yeah. Tough. No, I was just diving into the uh, you know pretty much what everyone did last week, and it was just a horrible, horrible week of fantasy football. It really was. For sure. So kudos of... to the, our listeners that have moved on past this. <laughs> a lot of backup. I was just thinking about like how many quarterbacks have started this year. Like we're on second and third strings for some of these teams and. Shit, Joe Flacco's the is he the fourth string technically for the Browns at this point? So yeah. um he wasn't even you know. a string until recently. Yeah. Well, exactly. But the fourth quarterback to start for. I mean, there's just so many quarterbacks that have started these games. And um, and it's kind of cool to see the next crop like Browning finally getting a shot at something. I mean, uh, not that he's got, you know, he's gonna stay in Cincinnati if he does become anything, but he's looking really good right now. Purdy's finally kind of continuing his uh his start from last year. So it's really nice to see like the new age of the quarterbacks and people getting a shot, whether it's to, you know, be a quarterback, you know, starter or at least a backup in the future. So, you know, the, the flip side of that, you're talking about all the quarterback injuries and all the injuries that we've had generally. Um, the, the think, think about the people that we've talked about as MVPs, Christian McCaffrey, Raheem Mostert, um, you know, to like, Two two has made it to this point in the season, totally fine. Um, Keenan Allen until last week, you know, having the best year of his career. Like, 
we have no idea who's going to get hurt. And like our, our, you know, when we start talking in the preseason about guys who are currently uninjured, but we're saying that they're injury, like we don't know. Um, like the three guys that you would have, that you would have like pounded the table. Oh yeah. Injury prone. Gotta, gotta worry about them. Tua, Raheem Mostert, um, Christian McCaffrey. They are sailing right now. They are carrying fantasy teams. And it's like, Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow, like it's the, it's the well, guys that would Justin Jefferson who had never missed a game, right? Like it's 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 those guys. Even coming like, into a, the season, we were like Brees Hall, Javante Williams, like are they going to get hurt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The season, like are they like what's going to happen? Completely fine. They've played the whole time. Yeah, no problems at all. I hate the tag injury prone. It's so stupid. Anyone could get injured on any play. Like I, I injure myself walking down the stairs sometimes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> am I injury prone? I mean that I would be the person to be calling injury prone. I'm clumsy as hell. I'm falling. Josh, tricky. you are injury prone for sure. I am 100% injury prone. Yeah. But yeah. I hate, I hate hearing that with football players. Cause it's like, dude, that anyone could sprain an ankle or, you know, jam a thumb or anything at any i mean any i mean it's just play. an injury prone game right like yeah. you you should yeah, take exactly. it as a given that everybody involved is injury prone and that is how your season could end yeah yeah exactly so anyway no thanks so much for coming on andy uh really appreciate having you and i'm lo- really looking forward to seeing who's on that shirt next year for you <laughs> yes, for sure. well it's a it's a pleasure coming on um really appreciate you guys thank you so, so much get us out of here good night possums <laughs>